We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Cash Considerations Podcast, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Jason, the Bulls actually traded for a player that improves the roster. Can you believe it? It's been what, like ten years? Was it? Some, was it the John Sammons trade? Was the last? And was it John Sammons or Brad Miller? I can't remember what the exact trade was. I know you tweeted about it, but yeah, a, a year that they're trying to tank, they're actually trading for somebody pretty good. But we actually like it, right? Yeah, I'm all about this move. I think that you know, as we continue to delve into it. Uh, throughout the rest of this episode that it is a pretty major upgrade for the Bulls at a position in need. The Bulls, of course, sending Bobby Portis, Jabari Parker, and a 2023 protected second round pick to the Washington Wizards in exchange for Otto Porter, 25 years old. Otto Porter having a down season this year, but the two years before that, Otto Porter was uh, considered, you know, one of the most efficient players in the NBA by a lot of different advanced metrics. He was 13th in the league in RPM uh, last year. You know, you could just go down the list of accomplishments for Otto Porter. There's, there's no doubt that he's a productive player. I mean, uh, two years ago, he shot 43% from three-point range. Last year, he shot 44%. This year, he's been hobbled a bit by a hip injury, which has been recurring since his rookie year. Uh, you know, that is one thing that gives me a little bit of, of trepidation uh, at the onset of this deal. But basically, the Bulls just acquired a good player in Otto Porter without giving up anything other than cap space. So they're going to have him for the next two years at about, I think, $54 million, uh combined. So, yeah, it's uh, I think it's like $27 million next year and like 28.5, like I think, uh, 2020, 2021. All right. So give me your initial impressions of this move, Jason. Yeah, I I think we talked we mentioned this. I don't think we t- talked about it in our last pod, but I believe we, over the last like, or a couple of weeks leading up to this, I feel like we talked about Porter as a possibility. I mentioned it uh, on Twitter. I mentioned it in another column I did recently earlier this week that Porter could be an option, and I feel like it's totally fine. Like one of the big questions coming in this trade deadline was: Would the Bulls be willing to take on long term money to either whatever get a draft pick or get a player like Otto Porter Jr.? Obviously, he's got a lot of money. And next couple of years, that second year, by the way, is a player option. But that's, I mean, the type of player he is, I would assume he'll be opting into that 2020-21. Uh, and it's the Bulls clearly, and they realize smartly, I feel like, that no one wants to come play for the Bulls. I mean, they're 12-42. and 42. Their coach, head coach is a goofball. They're, they got a lot of drama surrounding them. Like, no no good player wants to come to the Chicago Bulls right now. So, like, while, while they were set to have 
whatever, like 40 million in cap space. It would have been a max slot. I know a lot of people were kind of disappointed. Like, why would you, why would you trade for Otto Porter and ruin your max slot? I mean, he's only, he only averages 12 and five, blah, 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 blah. Like, Otto Porter is still a good player, and the Bulls were not going to sign. Obviously, they're not signing Kevin Durant. They're not signing Kawhi Leonard. They're not signing Kemba Walker or Chris Middleton. Obviously, the, the Bulls probably knew well enough that they weren't going to sign anybody big in free agency this summer. Uh, and 2020 free agency as well, I'm pretty sure that's – I haven't looked at it that closely, but I'm pre- I've read that it's not that strong. So it's like just think of this this trade as basically like you're overpaying a bit for a guy who basically overpaying a bit for a free agent for the next couple of years who should make you better next season. Uh, I don't think he'll make him that much better this season. So if like you're worried about him ruining the tank, like we just lost, we just saw the bulls fucking lose to the uh, Pelicans team playing like half a roster yesterday. Like there's still going to be plenty bad out of port is not that good. Where he's going to lift the bulls to like a, a huge winning streak. At least I would think not the rest of the season. So like, just got a good player, and like punting on the cap space is totally fine because again, the Bulls weren't going to sign anybody good. They're still going to have something like I think around like 20, 19, 20 million in cap space, so they can they can use that to fill out the roster with some other veterans and hopefully make them a bit better next year and make them not unwatchable like they are right now. Yeah, I wanted to tackle this idea that I've been seeing a lot. Uh, you know, in my mentions on Twitter and just from Bulls fans everywhere since the deal went down that. Uh, acquiring Otto Porter Jr. somehow ruins the Bulls' tank or uh, is going to lessen their chances at landing the number one pick in Zion Williamson come May in the in the draft lottery. That's just not true. Right now, the Bulls sit fourth in the tank race. They're 12-42. and 42. There's three teams ahead of them. The Knicks, they're, they got 10 wins. Phoenix and Cleveland both have 11 wins. The next team, fifth behind the Bulls, is Atlanta. They have 18 wins. The Bulls are not going to catch the Hawks. The Hawks are playing pretty impressive basketball lately. So the Bulls are going to be in the top four. Now, uh, I think you can actually make the argument that trading for Otto Porter Jr. this year, he's not going to help him as much as Portis and Parker were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely true. Parker showed up totally out of shape, uh, but since then has really found a rhythm offensively. Uh, he's carried the Bulls offensively in a few games over the last month or two, so... Uh, I think you can make an argument there. And Portis has totally gone off twice over the last week. I think he had 30-point games. So uh, I think the combination of Portis and Parker together on the team just for the rest of this season would have led the Bulls to more wins than Otto Porter Jr. will. Uh, Porter is a better long-term fit, and that's why I like the deal. But this idea that Porter's ruining the tank, ruining the Bulls' chances at Zion just has to die. Uh, For those who don't know, the NBA is in its first year of – Uh, reforming the lottery this season. The top three teams in the lottery will all have a 14% chance to get the number one pick. The fourth team will have a 12.5% chance. So the Bulls are either going to have a 14% chance or a 12.5% chance to get the first pick in Zion Williamson. And that's it. Uh, You know, that's the end of the story. So they're going to need a ton of luck either way. So that's that's what it comes down to. Exactly. And uh, to me, you know, that cost for Zion is just or for uh for Otto Porter is just nothing I mean you look at what the Bulls gave up the Jabari Parker experiment obviously just wasn't going to work from the very start it's it's laughable the Bulls ever thought that uh you know Jabari could work and you know John Paxson and Gar Foreman spoke to the media today and talked about taking a shot at a young talented player well guess what bros anyone with half a brain knew that Jabari Parker at small forward was not going to work for this team from the very start of the season knew that 20 million dollars was a laughable contract then you go to Portis the Bulls offered Portis 
uh, somewhere between 40 and $50 million reportedly at the onset of the season. Portis turned it down. I think the Bulls are lucky he turned it down. The Bulls have two worthwhile players from the start of this rebuild so far. Both of them are in the front courts, Wendell Carter Jr. and Larry Markinen, of course. So Portis at best is going to be your third big in the rotation. I don't think he's a a winning player really because he's so limited defensively. Uh, he's basically just, uh, you know, gets buckets off the he's bench. like six yeah. eleven Monte Ellis out there. So losing Bobby Portis, I don't think is a big blow to the Bulls whatsoever. Yeah, not long term. Uh, and and you mentioned he, that report. The you mentioned the report about the forty to fifty million. And I, Casey had reported that before as well. And I believe part of that Casey also said today that Portis is looking for like sixteen million or so a year, like. Obviously, you're not gonna. You don't want to pay that as your as a guy off the bench. So, like, you get an opportunity to trade for a start. You're starting small forward, or at least probably you're starting small forward. I guess depending on what happens in the draft. Like, yeah, you do it. Like we had talked about possibly trading Portis for like a first round pick, maybe like taking a chance on Marco Fultz, who was actually traded to the Magic today, and we thought that would have been a good idea. So to use Portis and then to use Jabari's expiring to get an actual starting small forward makes all the sense in the world to me. All right, let's talk about Otto Porter. Then. Yeah. So uh, last season, so for the 17-18 uh, season, Otto Porter, just in terms of win shares, was at eight win shares uh, on the season. The year before that, he was at nine win shares. That put him as one of the more valuable players in the entire league. Last year on the Bulls, no one had more than three and a half win shares. This year... Even in a down year that's been defined by injury, it's been defined by uh, just constant dysfunction around him on the Wizards, who might be the one team in the NBA that's run as poorly as the Bulls. Uh, Otto Porter would still be the most valuable player on the Bulls, with the exception of Ryan Archie Diacono, who's somehow this uh, advanced stats all-star as well. Uh, and, you know, to be honest, I think that Archie Diacono does sort of pass the eye test in that when he's on the floor, it does seem like the Bulls uh, seem to be a little more congruent. So, uh, Otto Porter Jr. is just a really good player. If you want the basic scouting report on him, uh, I think he does have a very narrow skill set, but it's a skill set yeah. the Bulls can really use. Basically, Otto Porter Jr. can't really dribble and he can't really pass, but what he can do is catch and shoot. And he's been a high profile catch and shoot guy from three point range since he entered the league. Uh, it's six foot eight. He has tremendous size for a small forward. He also has great defensive versatility. Now he is a little bit on the skinny side. He's not someone who you're going to want to go up against, uh, you know, like a, a more powerful combo forward at the four. But I think at the three, he could be really good given the fact that he has great length uh, and, you know, he has the feet to be able to stick with guards. So now you're looking at a situation with the Bulls where, you know, Chris Dunn's a really good defensive player. Otto Porter Jr. is a really good defensive player. Wendell Carter is going to be a really good defensive player. And I don't know if all of those guys are going to be around long term. I think Dunn in particular remains a major question mark. Uh, the front office did not give Chris Dunn any semblance of a vote of confidence at today's press conference. Uh, and even Porter, we can get into more of this later, but like, I'm really glad no one said Otto Porter Jr. is the small forward of the future, the way they once did with campaign. It's like you can, in this era of NBA basketball, we saw today at the trade deadline, and you're going to see a lot more this summer. It's like everyone is flippable. So you could get mad at the Bulls for paying Otto Porter Jr. $26 million a year for the next two seasons. The reality of the situation is that Otto Porter Jr. is probably the best player on the team 
already, just given the fact that, you know, he's already proved himself uh, in the NBA, which someone like Markinen hasn't really done. Levine always is horribly great, always horribly grades out in the advanced stats. Uh, so Porter Jr. is a proven player. Uh, and I just think like, while he is probably a little overpaid, he's a great fit next to Levine in that he has tremendous defensive versatility. He's someone who's not going to take the ball out of Levine or Dunn's hands as a creator. He's someone who's just going to spot up, hit catch and shoot jumpers. He's going to know, know his role on offense. Uh, I think this is a really good move for the Bulls. And the worst case scenario, Jason, I think you flip him either next season yeah. or as an expiring contract the year after that uh, because – that salary, you know, if you do want to either uh, clear space for a superstar free agent in 2021, Jesus Christ, sounds like we're all going to be dead by then anyway. <laughs> the world is going. Or if you want to, uh, you know, use them to match salaries for something like, yeah, it, it's a it's a good contract. I don't think it's a terrible contract to have either way. Right? Yeah. I mean, you talk about uh trading like matching salary like if you you use them to maybe trade for a star like if there's a star that wants out i mean the bulls have some nice young pieces if you include one or two of those guys without a porter's contract maybe you get a, a star player and also in terms of that contract the cap is going up to it's gonna be 109 million next season and then it's going up again like to 118 million i believe so like that'll make this contract while it's still still probably an overpay it'll make it look a little better and just going back to his fit on the team, and it's something we've talked about a lot, uh, just obviously with this roster in the last couple of years, is the fact that the Bulls have had so many just one-way players. Like we talk about Portis and Parker, one-way players. Zach Levine, one-way player. Like Chris Dunn right now, probably like a one-way player because his offense is still kind of shaky. Uh, like Lowry is still mostly an offensive player, has his defensive struggles. Otto Porter is a guy that can play, that can be effective both sides of the ball. That's why – he ranked really highly. RPM is not technically a ranking, but that's how he ends up with a really good RPM score, almost top 10 in the league, because he can play both sides. And that's something the Bulls just desperately need, more two-way players who can play vers- play multiple positions, be versatile, guard several positions. Like It's something the Bulls badly needed. So this would be a really nice thing to have in the starting lineup for the Bulls. I don't know. I feel like another thing people worried about in terms of like looking ahead to the draft, like if the Bulls get the number one pick, like, well, like they have, they have three guys in the front court now. Like you don't worry about that. You're taking this fucking Zion Williamson number one, no matter what. It doesn't matter that Otto Porter, Wendell, and Laurie there. You figure it out later. You flip somebody down the line later. You're taking Zion. But if they somehow get whatever number two or number three, like this could put them into a nice place to, to take uh, John Morant. Yeah, Morant. I was going to mention that too. John Morant. So like, and so you and so you take John Morant, and maybe he's your point guard of the future, and you're looking at a. Line up for next, maybe wind up next season with John ja, ja Morant, Levine, Otto Porter, Lowry, and Wendell Carter. And I don't know if that's actually good. It could be. It sounds. It sounds intriguing. Sounds as some decent potential. Like I could. I could roll with that. Yeah, I think that was another one of my takeaways uh, from this trade is that the Bulls are gonna need a dynamic playmaker at point guard. Yeah. I'm not totally ready to write off Chris Dunn, especially because he's not super expensive next year. Uh, so yeah, absolutely me, sure. it could be worse things than writing off Don. He has gotten better every year. He just started from such a low point, which is uh, a case always made by Kevin Farrigan, who we need to have on the podcast sometime soon. He was just on uh, Mark's podcast, Bulls HQ, which everyone's is subscribed to as well. Uh, I do think it's setting up for the Bulls to take John Morant. In fact, I, I think that if the Bulls don't land the number one pick, uh, John Morant is going to be the guy that they want. 
John Morant, if you don't know, sophomore point guard for Murray State, six foot three, 175 pounds. He's very skinny. He is extremely talented, though. At the moment, he's basically playing like college basketball's Russell Westbrook. He has a sky-high usage rate, one of the highest in the country. Uh, but he also leads the country in assist rate, 56% of his team's baskets he assists on. He's an outrageously good rebounder, and it all comes back to his physical attributes. The dude is just a hyper-explosive player. He is a two-footed leaper instead of a one-footed leaper, which will be a really interesting scouting difference between him and someone like De'Aaron Fox, who I think he could be reasonably compared to. Uh, Morant also not strong defensively, not much of a pull-up jump shooter, Uh, But, you know, what he is is someone who can break you down off the dribble, someone who can, you know, explode towards the basket, and someone who can pass. Now you think about what type of environment does Otto Porter ideally thrive in. Well, Otto Porter, dude, it's like 93% of his baskets lifetime have been assisted. This guy cannot do anything in creation by himself. I would like to see the Bulls try to stretch him there, considering – you know, they got nothing else to try for the rest of this season. He is only 25 years old. Otto Porter's only nine months older than Chris Dunn, which is pretty remarkable. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, when you consider how long he's been in the league already. But uh, to me, you know, I'm not totally sold on Morant. I think he's talented but flawed. Uh, and I especially like, you know, if he does come in next year with some point guard of the future hype, if he ends up being the number two pick in the draft or whatever, it's like, The dude is still so skinny. He's still so shaky as an outside shooter. He's still so shaky defensively. I don't think you can reasonably count on him to be like, you know, some great player immediately. No way. Maybe down the line, uh, if he makes some improvements in his game, if his athleticism truly does translate to the NBA level, uh, you know, if the assist rate that he's put up in college and if the rebounding numbers he's put up in college uh, can continue to translate to the NBA. So, I think that John Moran's going to be the guy for the Bulls if they don't get Zion. That's who they're going to want. The Suns are going to want him too, and the Suns are right there in the tank race with the Bulls. Uh, but I do think that getting someone like Otto Porter really puts the spotlight on point guard being the biggest need for the Bulls. Of course, if the Bulls – I mean, if they were to draft Morant over Zion – <laughs> I think that I would have to give up my fandom and the team forever. Like that would be the last straw. They're, the two are not even in the same stratosphere. And to all these people who are like coming at me on Twitter saying that RJ Barrett, they prefer. I, w- I was going to ask you about RJ Barrett. Yeah. I'm not even going to waste my breath arguing with these people because once again, like they don't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence to me. Zion is a hundred times the prospect RJ Barrett will ever be. If you want to talk about Barrett versus Morant, I, think- I, I was going to actually, I was going to ask you that if, if the Bulls do get the number two pick, like you personally, like obviously it seems like they're setting up to take John Morant number two, if they got number two, you personally, would you take Morant or RJ Barrett? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I take either of them. Like, I feel like I should have a strong opinion on this, but to me, it's all up in the air right now. And I say that as someone who, it's my job to cover the draft and to cover college <laughs> basketball. And I watched Barrett is a high school player last year. So uh, I think that that just shows how big the gap is between Zion and whoever's number two. I saw someone tweet the other day that the number two pick is going to get a GM fired in this draft. And uh, I think that that's on the money. Like there's just n- no one who's really separated themselves from that group from two to eight. Like I would almost lead towards Jarrett Culver. Uh, from Texas really? Tech being the second best pick yeah. player in the draft right now, but Culver's three point shot has totally fallen off in Big Twelve play. Uh, so you know that that's something to worry about as well. But I do think Morant's talented. 
Uh, he's just so damn skinny, and he has a ton of turnovers, and he can't shoot and he can't defend. But he's a monster flying to the basket, <laughs> and he's a great, great passer, and he can break down anyone off the dribble. So, uh, I mean, he's a flawed player, so I don't know who I would take, Jason. I, would- I was going to say, I feel like if they took him – do you think they would make – John, I'm talking about here. Like, Do you think they the Bulls would then maybe try to bring in a veteran point guard to start and then flip Dunn somewhere else? Do you think they would keep Dunn as the starter and then have Morant be the backup? I feel like in that situation they'd want to have maybe more of a veteran around just to like help with the other young guys. Like, I, I guess I'm not totally sure. I feel like that's what I would probably do if they – I would probably look to flip Dunn if they took John and then sign a veteran – that probably wouldn't be Derrick Rose, but... Yeah, uh, I hope it's not Derrick Rose, just because I feel like no one's going to want to deal with everything that comes with that. Uh, Ricky Rubio is a free agent as well. I would take Rubio for sure if you could sign him on a short-term deal. Uh, if you can't sign Rubio on a short-term deal, I would just take. I would just go with Chris Dunn. Like, give me Chris Dunn and Morant and let the best guy win. That's fair. I mean, you might as well. When you're rebuilding, just you're experimenting with stuff and give these guys a chance. I, I guess I'd be, I could live with that as well. And, you know, there's also a scenario where maybe Chris Dunn's playing on the qualifying offer a year after that. So maybe you get, you know, two years of Chris Dunn to see if he can continue to improve. Because uh, his numbers have gone up. It's just like Chris Dunn allergic to free throws and threes. Maybe if he plays for a better coach. Uh, you know, that can change. Of course, the Bulls also gave Jim Boylan a vote of confidence today at the press conference. Just absolutely insane. Pax we'll talk about that in a bit. No idea what they're doing. But <laughs> yeah, uh, I think, you know, Otto Porter, great, great trade for the Bulls, I would say. Uh, it's not a home run, but to me, it's at least a double or maybe a triple. They haven't traded yeah. for a player that actually improves the roster in 10 fucking years. So like, it's okay. You can spend money on someone who's good at basketball. You're allowed to do that, Bulls, for once yeah, in your life. Like, to all the people, like, I, I feel like a lot of people just are have, like, concerned about he's, his numbers aren't that, that impressive. He's making a ton of money. Like, this takes us out of free agency, blah, blah, blah. Like, just, I feel like don't worry about that. Like, we're as, we're as pessimistic as Bulls fans as they come. And we're telling you that I feel like this is fine. It's a good trade. Like, th- it will help the Bulls become a better team. And the Bulls at this point next – we're looking at next season, like – they need to take a step forward. Like we don't want them to be just absolutely terrible again next season. We don't want them to tank again. Like they need to be in a spot to get better next year. And Otto Porter should help them get better, and he will likely help them get better more than any Jamoke that they that they signed in free agency with all the money they had anyway. So they got a good player out of it. They'll still have some money to spend on some other some other players for depth, and they could have be in a decent spot next year. Like I, I have no idea if this is going to work out. Like they're obviously terrible right now. It's easy to, to say they're going to be bad forever, but there's at least something here that's possible. And Otto Porter should hopefully help with that. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so I guess after Otto Porter Jr., we thought maybe uh, there were no other Bulls did not do any other trades. They did not trade Robin Lopez, which I, I am not really that surprised by it. Rolo's ma- making over $14 million, million this season. I don't think anybody was really wanting to trade for a plotting center who just likes to shoot a bunch of hook shots and wear goofy T-shirts and have good quotes. So uh, I'm not surprised Rolo got tr- not get traded. I do, I do expect the Bulls to buy him out, but there was some some conflicting message here today. Like right after the deadline passed, Woj, and uh, I believe with reporting from Malika Andrews at ESPN, said that the Bulls and Robin Lopez were planning on engaging in buyout, uh, buyout negotiations soon. There was a report like a month or so ago from, uh, I think it was Chris Haynes of Yahoo saying that Robin Lopez was looking for a buyout. He wanted to go to the Warriors. 
But then right after that, Woj tweeted that out. During the press conference, John Paxson says that, oh, well, things could change, but we don't have any plans to buy out Robin Lopez right now. So, like, do you think that Paxson is just bullshitting and just putting on a, a face for right now? Like, do you think Robin Lopez is going to get bought up? Because I feel like that's a no-brainer. Like, you don't need Robin Lopez on the team right now. You're trying to lose games. Robin Lopez has been dealing with this bullshit Bulls team for a couple years. Like, let Robin Lopez fly free. Let his wonderful soul out of Chicago and away from this hot mess. Like, I really hope they do buy him out here pretty soon because I feel like it'd be pretty garbage if they kept him on this dog shit team for the rest of the season. Well said, Jason, uh, all the way down to calling the Bulls the dog shit team. Paxson said that he thought the buyout market depressed the trade market in that they weren't just going to give away a player. It's like, Paxson, you're a moron, dude. Just like Robin Lopez has been a great veteran. And I think the trading Rose for Lopez was one of the better trades the guard packs have made, really. Uh, But let Robin Lopez go here for no other reason than Robin Lopez's sake. Also, you might as well just play Felicio. I mean, you give him $8 million a year. Maybe the Bulls, you know, were able to keep Bobby Portis or or something if you didn't have Felicio taking up such a significant percentage of the cap uh, for the next two years after this. That is just such a horrible deal. Uh, Yeah, so... Do, do right by Robin Lopez. He's given you everything you could have ever hoped for out of him. Uh, and I, I think the Bulls absolutely have to buy him out. Yeah, I would I would miss some of his goofiness. He had a pretty hilarious quote today, actually, after a old friend, Nikola Miritich, traded to the Bucks to play with uh, Robin's twin brother, Brooke Lopez. Uh, that's an awesome trade for the Bucks, by the way, to get Nico for like basically nothing. I think they traded... With a bunch of second round picks and like they Stanley Johnson, they just got traded from the Pistons and then like Jason Smith, like Bucks going for it all. Love it. But Robin Lopez quote today said, I feel bad for Nico. He has to play with Brookie. You know what's even worse? He already got the superior experience of playing with me. Now he has to go play with Brooke. It's like living in Fresno and having to move to Clovis. Robin Lopez is truly a gem. He always does all those goofy ass like videos on social media with the team. He did just like a Mad Hatter thing. He did like a I think he did like a Bachelor thing last year. He did a I think he played Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Like Robin Lopez is a gem of a human. Get him away from the Bulls. Set like I said, set him free. Let him go have some fun somewhere else. Yeah, I mean we're in total agreement on this. The Bulls absolutely have to let him go. Yeah. So uh, I mean, besides that, we really weren't expecting that much else besides possibly Robin Lopez, and he's not there. Like I thought, maybe they could look for Chris Dunn trades. You did mention that the Bulls at their press conference today basically did not give Chris Dunn a vote of confidence. He was John Paxson was basically like, "Well, the rest of this year is gonna we're gonna give Chris Dunn a chance, and he's gonna have to prove himself." Because obviously, Chris Dunn has been somewhat of a disappointment, while Lowry, Levine, and Wendell are mostly kind of locked in here for the long term. So we'll we'll see how that goes with Chris Dunn. Uh, I guess let's turn our attention then to what hap- what else happened at this press conference today. And you met, you did bring up how uh, they gave Jim Boylan a full vote of confidence. Basically, he was asked, like, do you have – or they were asked, like, do you think uh, – do you have confidence in Jim Boylan? Like, or to, will he be the coach next year? And they said absolutely 100%, which is obviously, like, absolute nonsense. Uh, I, I mean, it could purely be lip service. I hope it's lip service. Uh, because it's absolutely he, – he's – I think I can't remember if it was Paxson or Foreman, but he talked about how loved Boylan's spirit and how like they he's done good things, blah 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 blah. Like I mean, there's a, that's obviously complete bullshit. They're what like now they're like seven and twenty four under Boylan with most with most of these guys healthy now outside of Wendell and Chandler Hutchinson at this point. To say he's like what good things has Jim Boylan done? I, obviously, we're not in the building, 
so we can't see up close. But like, what I, I would love to know what good things Jim Boylan has done after all the the entire disaster that his that his stint has been. Like, I mean, just like, do you think? I I, I don't know. Like, so part of me thinks he's like they they're not going to come out and say that Jim Boylan is just they're going they're not going to come out and just shit all over him. Uh, but I mean, you, do you really have to commit totally to him next year? Like you would think maybe you can just say like, you know, like it's, we've had some tough times here under Jim. Like we'll evaluate the bigger picture after the season's over and we'll, we'll go from there. Like to say absolutely hundred percent, like we're in for him next season. Like that's just fucking insane. Isn't it? It's completely insane. Uh, you know, the NBA might need to intervene on behalf of <laughs> Chicago Bulls fans everywhere. If Jim Boylan is honest to God, the coach of this team next year, I would love to know what Paxson and Foreman earnestly believe Boylan has helped this team with. If anything, he's just yelled at everyone and put everyone on edge. You look at the quote Zach Levine's been given for the last couple months. He seems yeah. like he's depressed right now playing for this organization. I feel like Paxson, I think they addressed that today. Like I think he was asked uh, about like Levine and like the coach play relationship there. I think they kind of admitted that there might be like somewhat of an issue there. So it's like, well, that's not good, obviously. I mean, there obviously is, because uh, Levine's smarter than these idiots. Like, we can criticize Levine all we want on the court for not being a well-rounded player, but he knows the game. He's not dumb. Uh, Boylan's got to go. The fact that the Bulls hit the maximum for cash intake this year with all these stupid cash consideration trades they've made this year, it's totaled $5 million. That's pretty much what Hoiberg's salary was. Uh, for next year, that should offset it. Yeah, you gave Boylan a little bit of a bump. It's still under $2 million, which is a pathetic NBA head coach salary in the first place. Go get a real head coach, Bulls. And it doesn't need to be some proven veteran. You can try to find your next Thibodeau, which is a rising assistant who seems to be on the cutting edge of NBA trends. Uh, that's the type of guy that they're going to need to get. And that might be the only type of guy who would want to work for this front office right now, given their reputation for undermining head coaches. I think that until Jim Boylan is fired, we cannot take the Bulls seriously. And I'm going to view every decision they make through that prism, because if Boylan's in charge, he's a reflection of Paxson, and that's a reflection of what this franchise values, which is anything other than making the right moves. Yeah, fire spirit. Here's the quote that, I have pulled up Casey Johnson tweeted out like when he talked about like the good things Jim Boylan has done. He said that uh, he's pleased with Jim Boylan's passion, commitment, and care for his players, and he respects respects Boylan's teaching ability. And again, just like I mean, that certainly is not showing up on the court. Like I'm pretty sure they're worse now defensively. Not having Wendell is probably a factor there. Under but still, like I mean, they just gave up 125 points to a dog shit Pelicans team that had no. No Anthony Davis, no Nico, no Etwan Moore, no Alfred Payton. Like it was basically a skeleton crew outside of uh, Drew Holiday and Julius Randle, who absolutely smoked them. And like they gave up 125 the game before for that. I think to, I think it was the Hornets game. Just like the defense is getting worse, the offense has picked it up a little bit lately. But like that was like it's still not that good, and and we expected it to get a little better. I think they're still like the worst offense in the league. If not, they're really close. Just like. What 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 are the te- what what are they being taught? What are the, what's the teaching here that's that's showing up and making this a better team? Because we sure I feel like we sure as hell don't see it. So like what I just I I I just don't know what how they can really sell that he's doing good things after especially just after what they said what Paxson said after they fired Hoiberg like how the spirit of the team was missing and all that kind of stuff and like development we're not seeing really either like the team gets blown out half the time they're losing to terrible team other terrible teams. I mean, 
I mean, maybe they're just trying to put on a good face while they lose games because they want to lose games and they just try to, they're just talking them up to talk them up. Like, I don't know, but it just, it just seems absolutely crazy. And like they're basically lying to our face and just, we can, we can, we can see past this crap. They're idiots. The Porter move doesn't change the fact that they're idiots. That move (laughs) came to them and it's like, it's from the one team that's run as poorly as they are in the Wizards. Uh, You know, the Bulls can talk as much as they want about these dumb phrases like, toughness and grit uh spirit spirit and it has nothing to do with that it has to do with scheme it has to do with uh you know valuing points in the paint more than three pointers it has to do with this super aggressive defensive scheme where they're blitzing ball handlers when they just don't have the defensive personnel to run that system it has to do with going under screens and allowing teams to shoot open threes uh jim boylan does not understand modern basketball whatsoever if he did he would have this team playing the way they were supposed to play under Fred Hoiberg, which is pushing the pace, uh, trying to leverage their athleticism to get good shot opportunities early in the shot clock. The Boylan hire has been a disaster. It's been worse than me or you could have ever anticipated, even after Hoiberg was fired. And we lost our mind on that podcast. Go back and listen to it uh, about Hoiberg being fired. And I really think we were justified with everything because – I truly believe that John Paxson had made up his mind from the very start. He was going to fire Fred Hoiberg. He has some sort of weird vendetta against Hoiberg where he wasn't going to give him a chance with healthy players this year. As soon as that happened, it undermined the development of the very players Paxson was supposed to be developing this year, like Markinen, like Carter, like Levine and Dunn, like Hutchison. Uh, the whole thing's been a train wreck, and it's going to continue to be a train wreck as long as Jim Boylan's the head coach of the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> Because well said, we we talk about uh, the the trade that we uh, with for Porter. We talk about that second round pick, which I feel like what well, I don't really not a huge deal there. Whatever twenty twenty three second round pick that is protected, but I feel like some fans were making a big deal about that because the bull. It's like a classic Bulls move to give up a second round pick, and I think it was brought up. I think Pax had a quote or yeah, Stefano, the Athletic. We always we always reference here uh, had a tweet paraphrasing what Paxson was saying about that second round pick, and he basically said that like. And every trade that we do, or here we go. For, he has the exact quote. He's like, we do things that if we feel we have to make a deal or want to make a deal, and that's what it takes, we're going to do it, and that's what we did yesterday. And I feel like that's probably just how they end up giving up second-round picks in all these trades. Like like I said, I'm not I'm not freaking out about the second-round pick to get Otto Porter. He is the best player coming back in this trade. Totally fine. But I feel like in general, that's kind of – kind of feel like that's the mindset. Like, oh, well, if we have – whatever, we'll just throw you the second-round pick just to make this work instead of like maybe actually hardballing a little bit. Like I said, I'm not going to complain about it that much because I do think Porter's good, but I thought I did think that was kind of funny. And if you want to go back to the the idiots line that you said, I don't know, I don't know if you you care about the second round pick at all. Like I said, I don't that much, but I, I thought some people were talking about and complaining about the fact that the Bulls gave up that second in this trade. In this case, I don't care because they have actually acquired some seconds, getting yeah. in the Justin Holiday deal. I did think it was hilarious that uh, Gar Foreman said during this press conference, "When you're drafting in the 30s, our oh yeah, you have an opportunity to get a player." who can be a piece to help you. Well, Jordan Bell, the pick they sold for $3.5 million in 2017, he was the 35th pick when they said their board had dried up. So these people, believe it's 38, but whatever. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, these people are so lazy. They're such hypocrites. They're such liars. And they think that me and you, Jason, the Bulls fans out there, that we're stupid. And that's why they're catering uh, to you know the dumbest parts of the fan base. That's why this team has just been mismanaged from the top down for so long. So I, mean, I was going to say, there was another quote as well about, uh, I think it was something about just like being patient and like how Bulls fans like want instant gratification. It's like, well, the Bulls haven't 
really won anything of consequence in like what eight years? I mean, they met they went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2011. They had a couple other solid series, uh, playoff series wins, but like they really haven't done anything in a long time. So it's like Bulls fans have impatience. I know rebuilding does take time, and like when you actually embark on a rebuild, it is going to take some time. But like Bulls fans have been waiting a while for like an actual good team that actually wins something of consequence. So like. I don't really want to hear that kind of crap at all. Yeah. I mean, we're on the same page here. Fire guard packs. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's nothing more that needs to be said. Trading for Otto Porter doesn't change anything. Yeah. It's a good trade, but I, th- I think also, I think uh, Matt Bull's blog or whatever talked about how like trading while trading for Otto Porter is a good move. It's still a shame and like awful that the Bulls were are in a position where they were not going to be a player in free agency this time. Like they're the Bulls, they're a big deal, big around the world. They're super popular, huge, huge market. They're the fourth most valuable team according to Forbes, almost three billion dollars. I know those aren't exact numbers; they're basically estimates. But like basically top five in terms of value in their valuation. Uh, and you look at the Knicks, and the Knicks are garbage, and they're they're obviously the most valuable team, and they are the Knicks. But like they're being talked about for Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis, and the Bulls. The fact that the Bulls basically had to punt on their free agency is a shame and a joke and why the front office should change. So while while it was a good move to get out of Porter, the fact that they were in that position in the first place is is awful. Yeah, bad. the Bulls are far away from contention, Jason, which, you know, I think that maybe – like I got a few texts after the deal like, oh, you know, Dunn or another point guard with Levine, Porter, Markin, and Carter next year. Maybe they can fight for the eighth seed. I still think they're – way far away from contention uh and you know to me i wouldn't be surprised if both dunn and levine are on the trade block uh you know are are they both on the team a year from now i don't know uh or you know a year from this summer who knows so i think this rebuild uh has yielded two nice pieces in carter and marketing uh a lot is going to depend on what happens in this draft if they get zion everything changes if not i still think the bulls are far away from contention that's just me yeah, I mean, if, I mean, I think they possibly could be a playoff team, or at least fight for the playoffs, sole, solely because the bottom of the East is such garbage. I mean, look, right now the eighth seed in the East is like three, two or three games under five hundred. Like, could the Bulls possibly in that be in that race next year? I don't think it's that like far yeah, of a question. But I mean, we see how we see how bad they are now. Like, they still have a lot to go. Like, a lot has to go right for it to happen. Like, I thought this year, like, if things went pretty right, they would win like thirty five ish games. Obviously, basically everything has gone wrong, and they're going to win like twenty games. So, like they still have have a lot. There, while there are nice pieces there, they still need a lot to go right. Yeah, they got to stay healthy for one, but also yeah. they wouldn't have been that much better this year if they were healthy from the start. I mean, especially given the way the front office undermined Hoiberg again. I mean, until there's just better organizational structure in place, this garbage is going to keep happening, Jason. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but uh, enough for the Bulls. Let's let's kind of wrap up here. Just I guess talk about uh, what happened in the trade deadline in general. Uh, the especially the Eastern Conference, the top of the Eastern Conference, got pretty fucking wild. Uh, kind of all started with the Sixers trading for Tobias Harris, making a big move to bolster their starting lineup even more after they traded for old pal Jimmy Butler earlier this season. So they traded for Tobias Harris. I mentioned the Bucks trading for Nikola Mirotic. And then the Raptors going all in to trade for Marcus Gasol. Like, I, I and the, Celt- the Celtics did not make any moves. I, I think the, the Pacers didn't trade for anybody, but they, I know they don't have Oladipo, but they're signing Wesley Matthews. Like all these teams at the top of the East, 
making big moves. I, I kind of dig it. What do you think about think about some of these big trades? Super fun. Uh, what's your favorite of those deals? Because I like Miritich with the Bucks. I think. The, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think the Bucks getting Miritich was a phenomenal move. Uh, they didn't have to give up any core pieces to make it happen. The biggest question for the Bucks heading into the postseason to me was like, what are they going to do in situations where Brook Lopez has played off the floor at yeah. the five? Now you can give Nico there some minutes at the five. The five, if they have to. Obviously, they also have the Giannis at the five card in their back pocket. Yep. Uh, Miritich giving them, you know, some shooting and some spacing to keep Budenholzer's system intact is terrific. He's also just like a major upgrade over anyone else they had coming off the bench there. He's basically Ilya Sova. I mean, he's basically a supercharged Ilya Sova. Like, he's clearly like an upgrade over him. Uh, yeah. And th- that's going to make a really fun bench for them. They have DJ Wilson, Nico off the bench. Like, that's and they still have Tony Snell there too. Like the Bucks are just a super fun team. Just Buttonholzer with Giannis. Like Buttonholzer has completely unlocked them with their style of play after the joke that they were under Jason Kidd. Like they underachieved for so many years. Now they're they're forty and thirteen. Like they won forty four games last year and they they already have forty wins this season. They're blowing teams out. They put up like a hundred up one hundred fifty points last night against the Wizards. Giannis is an MVP candidate. Middleton and Bledsoe are having great years. And, like, now they add Nico to the to the bunch and just start chucking threes. And, I mean, Lopez is chucking threes like crazy. Like, they're just a fun as hell team. I know. I think uh, I think Matt, again, Bulls blogger, I think Matt tweeted this earlier today. Like, why Bulls fans should just go root for the Bucks the rest of the season, maybe next year too. Because the Bucks are just a whole hell of a lot of fun. They're a couple hours north of Chicago. Like, Go to the, their new, and they got a new arena. Go to their new arena and watch the Bucks basketball if you want to see a, a real professional, fun basketball team for the next couple of years. Uh, are you taking the Bucks to win the East? I, I I was actually asked this. I was on the radio earlier today. I was asked this, and I I I, I don't feel great about it. But right now, like I mean, they've just been so good. We're like, and Giannis is so good. Where I I kind of dig it. Like the Celtics, I feel like are still going to be. They're obviously awesome. They're they're coming around right at the right time. They're going to be really tough. To, I mean, the Raptors now have been so good all year. Now with Marcus Soule, I mean, that's just super interesting to help them defensively. He can do some stuff offensively with, that, with them as well. I mean, the Sixers are going to have a great starting lineup. But they have Embiid. They have Jimmy. Tobias Harris is having – Tobias Harris is completely underrated. He's having a phenomenal season. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in with all those guys already. I mean, if he just becomes like a, like a – just basically a three-point gunner on that team spotting up off those guys, like he'll be super dangerous. Like – the Eastern Conference playoffs, maybe not after the first round, but the like, or not the first round, but semifinals and conference finals are going to be absolutely awesome. Like, so I'm kind of digging the Bucks right now to come out, but like, I think any any of those four teams could probably do it. Yeah, I was on the Raptors bandwagon for the entire season. Uh, still really like the Raptors. I don't know what they're doing, dangling Kyle Lowry. Yeah, weird. Tri- like that's just strange. I don't like Lowry was amazing this season uh, before he had the injury. So I think the Raptors they'll ultimately be determined by two things: how great is Lowry going to be? Lowry, I really thought was one of the more underrated players in the whole league. The dude is a baller at the beginning of this year and really for the last couple of years. He's just had the playoff how, problems. How much does Gasol give you? Really, like. Is Marcus Ole still an elite center? I don't think he is. I don't. I don't think elite. I think he. I think he's probably better though than Valanciunas. I would think. Like at least defensively, he's going to be more sound and like he's and his passing should really help. Is he coming off the bench? I, that's a good question because there, I mean you, you got to keep starting Pascal Siakam. He's been great. Like I guess Siakam maybe you bring Serge. Yeah, like I would think you're not starting Gasol and 
uh, Ibaka. So maybe they bring Serge off the bench. I'm not like Nurse is Nick Nurse. We you've talked about you love Nick Nurse. Like I feel like he'll probably experiment with this stuff and see what happens. Uh, they obviously have a bunch of guys that they can they can mix and match. Uh, so it'll be really interesting to see how that how that works out. Like I think I think the fact that they went for it is good. Like they gave up Valanciunas. They only they gave up Dion Wright. It's a nice guard, but. I think he's set to hit free agency, restricted free agency this summer. CJ Miles is nice player, but again, like I feel like taking the shot on Gasol is worth it, especially with Kawhi set to hit free agency himself. Like they're they're going to go all in with Kawhi possibly leaving, so I certainly cannot don't I don't hate it. Yeah, to me, it's like a sh- it's a sign to Kawhi that like they're serious about you know always adding talent and that they're going to operate like a big market contender so in that sense it's good i don't really know if this trade helps them it takes away another shooter in miles uh do they also give up powell in this deal or no it was it was no it was just jonas wright and cj miles gotcha uh yeah i mean i'd expect them to try to get another shooter on the buyout market everyone's gonna want wayne ellington uh so it'll be interesting to see what happens to him because he's going to be available now but yeah, I guess just to note, CJ Miles is having a terrible season, which is why I would guess he's shooting like 31% from three. Okay. He's only played 40 games, uh, 14 minutes a game. So clearly they could, probably could get somebody on the buyout market that can, e- can easily obviously fill that production. Yeah, I'll go Bucks for now, but East playoffs are going to be sick. I don't love the Tobias move. It's, it's, it's interesting. interesting. Actually, it's like... To me, Tobias was good because he got to be in the the role where he's best in, which is as a featured offensive player uh, in L.A. Now in Philly, it's like he's a glorified role player. What they really want him to do is what? Defend shooting guards or defend small forwards and shooting guards and just like be a be a kick out three point guy. It's like Tobias was at his best when he was, you know, taking dudes off the dribble when he was working within space. Uh, with the Clippers, now he's basically just a glorified role player. And I hate that they included Landry Shamet in that deal because... Yeah, I was kind of surprised that they gave up on him. I, I would assume they also think they're going to be in the buyout pl- players in the buyout market. There's going to be a ton of guys available there, I feel like. But yeah, that was... that was. I feel like they gave up a lot. Like I feel like Tobias will be good for them. Their starting, like, starting lineup is going to be awesome. But the depth-wise, they do have some questions. And I feel like they, just, they did give up a lot compared to some of these other deals out there. Yeah. Uh, I would have tried to keep Shemet if I were them. Really interesting. I mean, this summer is going to be so ridiculous, Jason. Like, this was a fun trade deadline, I thought. The playoffs are going to be really good. Holy shit, this summer is going to be crazy. I mean, you got the Anthony oh Davis God. trade. Yeah, yeah. Anthony Davis did not get traded, which not surprised. It kind of looked like that was going to ha- It was trending that way. He was basically, I feel like just Clark, him and Clutch were trying to get, get him to the Lakers, and when the Pelicans basically gave him a big fuck you and – they want the Celtics. They, they they want to get more more. They want the Celtics and other teams to be involved. So I mean that between that and then the free agency class, it's gonna be fucking wild. Like you said. Yeah, I honestly think Durant's going to the Knicks. I mean, it sure is uh, trending that way. And I mean, I guess you bring up Durant, the whole, his whole uh, diatribe yesterday after they, it was so funny. Like they beat it. They beat the Spurs by forty points on national TV last night. Uh, they had like a ridiculous third quarter. Everything's great. The Warriors are kicking everybody's ass again. Uh, and then he finally comes out. It had, he had not talked to the media since the Porzingis trade. Uh, and it had been talked about for a while. Uh, the Athletics' Ethan Sherwood Shouse wrote, wrote a long column about his situation. And then KD finally does talk yesterday and just goes off on the media, calls out Ethan by name. Uh, just, uh, just kind of like, just KD's just, a, he's a grump. He's such a grump. 
I, I, I get some of what he's saying, but like, he's just so, he's just always whining about something. Like, dude, you're, you've won two championships in a row, two straight finals MVPs. Like, you're on the way to a three-peat and you're just like, and you're freaking out and always complaining about something. Just like, dude, like, you're living life right now. Just be more like Clay Thompson. Smoke more weed, Kevin Durant. Smoke more weed, man. That would solve a lot of your problems. No, but it's like he's. It's. I find it like deeply sad. Yeah, right. He should be so happy. Like Steph and Clay just seem like dudes that just love in life. Like they're on a great team, and Katie's just always bitching about something. Yeah, well, he feels like you know every other superstar in league history. It's basically been like count the rings, and then he gets these rings, and everyone just respects him less. Yeah, Uh, and. I mean, Durant, I really think the moment that changed everything for him, because if you remember, there was a time when he was viewed like young D Rose, where he was like this like perfect, young, well-mannered superstar. And what changed, I honestly think what made him sour was the you the real MVP memes. Oh, yeah. He was trying to have like a nice, genuine moment for his mother at that point. And everyone just made fun of him for it. Ever since then, he's been a total fucking asshole. Uh, so I just want Kevin Durant to find happiness. I, yeah, I do want him to play with Zion Williamson. Like, <laughs> the Bulls need to get Zion. The Knicks, they can have they can have Durant and, and Kyrie and Kemba and Kyrie. Who cares? Yeah. Get Kyrie. Get him away from the Celtics. That maybe, maybe the Knicks will trade for Anthony Anthony Davis. I don't know. Yeah, just give the Bulls Zion, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think. Back to the KD for a second. I feel like a big thing there is probably just like the fact that Steph is clearly the one who will always be loved. They're like, KD's won the finals MVPs, but Steph is always going to be Steph. Hashtag Steph better. Like the fan base loves Steph. They will never, they're never going to love KD. Like they love Steph. So like, I feel like that's probably playing into this as well. Just like you said, he just wants to be like loved by everybody. Like, and if he goes to the Knicks, like if he goes to the Knicks and they get, if they would have, if they get Kyrie, if they get Anthony Davis, and they bring, and if they have a lot of success with the Knicks, like he will be loved there. I don't know how well he'd handle the new, the goofy New York media, given his mindset about everything. But like, obviously, winning at the Garden and bringing a lot of success there would bring him a ton of love. So I mean, it, it makes sense, and it it does feel like everything's trending that way at this point. Maybe he'll surprise everybody and come back to Golden State or maybe even go somewhere else. But it certainly does feel like he goes to the next. I feel like that'd be be- just better for the league. Like, like split up the Warriors. They can get their three-peat. I, I enjoy watching the Warriors play. I'm a big fan of Steph. I'm a big, big fan of Clay. But just split them up. Get get KD somewhere else. Get him to have some better teams elsewhere, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's somebody else. I feel like they'd be good for the league. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, and there's something so perfect about like Durant being by far the most – personally insecure sports star I can ever remember going to just a joke of a franchise in the Knicks and thinking that like, oh, you know, now you'll respect me when I drag the fucking Knicks to greatness. I mean, maybe he's right in a sense. Like if Kevin Durant can get the Knicks to the finals, if Kevin Durant can win a title with the Knicks, uh, obviously so much is going to depend on his supporting cast there. Just don't let Zion be part of it. That's all I ask. Uh, that would be pretty impressive. Durant, obviously a brilliant player. There's no doubt about that. But I think you're right. Like in Ethan Sherwood Strauss's story that ran at The Athletic that basically detailed the infatuation between Durant and the Knicks, uh, he said that after Durant beat LeBron in the 2017 finals that he thought he deserved to be recognized as the best player in the world. And instead, everyone just hated him. 
So Kevin Durant, what's he do with his free time? He goes on podcasts and argues with people. He gets into fights with teenagers on Instagram. Uh, I just want Kevin Durant to find some happiness in his life because this shit is pathetic, man. Yeah, it's it's tough, tough, tough look for tough look for Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, gonna be a crazy summer. It was a crazy deadline. I guess I did mention. What do you think about the Markel Fultz going to Orlando? Do you think he's gonna? I feel like going to the Magic is like a death sentence. His career is obviously going nowhere, but going to the Magic probably won't help him either. Was the Magic have been a joke for years? What do you do? You still believe in Markel Fultz? Because I feel like we talked. I mentioned before. I feel like we've talked about before that the Bulls taking a chance on him might be a decent decent play. Now he's going to Orlando. Do you you think he's gonna find it, or do you think he's just gonna be a complete bust, dude? I was so all in on Fultz. I thought Fultz was the best guard prospect, like one of the best point guard prospects ever the NBA draft has seen. Uh, he was so, so, so good at the college level. He would have been a perfect fit for what the Sixers needed. And, you know, it all fell apart for one reason or another. I actually find the Fultz story to be totally sad. I think that yeah, absolutely. Uh, not only is there like physical problems, there's probably some mental problems involved as well that we don't want to diagnose, but it's just like the young man's confidence has obviously been shaken to an extreme extent. Uh, from a basketball perspective, how does Philly not get Terrence Ross in that deal? I'd rather have Terrence Ross yeah. in the first rounder, especially when you made this short-sighted trade for Tobias Harris. You I was really surprised about that. Terrence Ross and that trade. Jonathan Simmons is kind of trash. Yeah, this. I think the uh, you meant we you mentioned like the Harris thing being like a questionable move, whatever. The fact that Folds busted out so epically, like I feel like is why the Sixers are kind of have made the moves they've made like, to trade for Jimmy to tra- kind of cash in. Was Folds was supposed to be like the third guy, and since Folds just busted out and it was just a nobody, I feel like they felt emboldened to go make these other moves. And yeah, like I mean, Jonathan Simmons is a nobody, and he's not a shooter, like. Ross has had a really good season. Uh, he's athletic. He's a pretty good shooter. I'm pretty sure he scored 50 points once. I definitely was surprised. I feel like once that once that trade was an, uh, reported, uh, that I feel like a lot of people thought it was going to be Terrence Ross. And the fact that it wasn't, and they're getting like a probably like a garbage first round pick for him. Plus, like you said, Jonathan Simmons. I can't remember if they got somebody else for him as well, but I was definitely surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, fun day, fun day in the NBA, no doubt. I think, you know, the playoffs in the East are actually going to be super exciting. Yeah, I think the Warriors are a really intriguing situation just because they, by far, are the most overwhelming talent. But, like, Durant's gone. Like, Durant. Are you ready for, are you ready for Warriors, Warriors, Lakers first round series? God, that'd be so much fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, So this summer is going to be fantastic. Uh, You know, as for the Bulls, I don't think they're that much closer to contention today than they were yesterday, but I do really like the Otto Porter move. And I mean, we say it every week, but it's all going to come down to Zion. I got, we got one more thing before we finish up here. Uh, John Paxson looks like he's doing a little radio tour right now, or at least he was on the score just now. Uh, McNeil and Parkins show uh, pulling up a tweet here from Cody Westerland. John Paxson on the Manila Department show, if he's comfortable with how bulls are viewed by star freedoms around the NBA, quote unquote, until you get an opportunity to get in front of people, then how do you know how they feel about you? That's that's our it's John Paxson talking about bulls free agency and uh, all the like, replies to the tweeter. It's dunking on it. And I feel like it's just classic John Paxson. Yeah, while we were doing, well, as we have been recording this podcast, I made fun of that tweet juxtaposing Paxson's quote against Windhorse saying one of the worst kept secrets in the league that Anthony Davis does not want to play in Chicago or hometown. So, uh, John Paxson, you blow, dude. Like, 
Bowles Blagger just said, John Paxson's begging someone to tell him he sucked to his face. I'll do it, John Paxson. Invite me in for a meeting. Give me a phone call. Uh, I think you're you're garbage and you deserve to lose your job, but Gary Reinsdorf doesn't care, so it's not going to happen. Ah, sad. Whatever, like I said, this is a fun trade deadline. Uh, Please do, besides listening to us, go listen to other NBA pods on the Blue Wire Network. A bunch of great pods. Again, we mentioned these guys on the last podcast, Laker Film Room, in the know for Pelicans, now that they're keeping Anthony Davis for the rest of the season. That's going to be interesting to see. Interesting to see how that plays out with Davis. I know he said he wanted to play uh, uh, the rest of the year. I don't know if the Pelicans are going to want to play him and risk injury before they trade him this summer. And then for the Lakers, uh, they made a they made a couple moves to the deadline. They tr- uh, they traded for Mike Mascala, big mood. They traded for Reggie Bullock, who's actually pretty good. He'll actually help. So they clearly realized the error of their ways and tried to acquire some shooting at the deadline. But no Anthony Davis, no other huge moves for them. So, like I said, go listen to those podcasts. I know we got Warriors podcast, Light Years pod. Those guys are great. Uh, the Chase Down of the Cavs guys. The, you can listen to them and Bulls and Cavs fans can wallow in their own self-pity and their tanking team. So, tons of great podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, and I think, that's, I think that's all we got today. So, for Jason and Ricky, this was Cash Considerations, Bulls podcast, trade deadline review. Have a good one, everybody. Later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.